Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Easter is a great opportunity not just for us to have people in our church, but it's actually an opportunity for you to invite people who are in your sphere of influence who uh, a lot of people are wrestling with what does it mean not just to follow God, but what does it mean to be a part of a community? And so this is what our opportunity is, is that we get to invite people not just to uh, hear a sermon. We pray that they'd be invited into our community and get to know us better as they get to know Jesus more. Uh, It's interesting, Palm Sunday is a Sunday that... um, If you remember the story, the story goes that uh, Jesus enters into the temple, and as he enters into this temple in Jerusalem, they lay down palm branches. These palm branches were an indication that the king was coming. They all begin to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They celebrated their king. So Jesus experienced the height of celebration on Sunday. And then on that Friday, Jesus would be tortured, murdered on Friday. And then that next Sunday, he would resurrect with all power. Celebration on Sunday, suffering on Friday, new life next Sunday. Although that is what we call Holy Week, that is also what a holy life looks like. You'll experience great celebration, new jobs, new relationships. You'll experience the wonderful victory in Christ. But far too often, we are not equipped for our Good Friday, for our moments of suffering, for the moments that we feel great torture and pain. It is without question that in life, but more in particular as a Christian, you will face unimaginable, devastating, and very confusing moments of pain. And so what we want to do is we want to take this moment that Paul the Apostle takes in Romans chapter 8. In the beginning of the book, he says that no condemnation has seized you except, I'm sorry, he says, that's a totally different book, praise God. He says in Romans chapter 8, Um, there is no condemnation. I got my nose messed up. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which is an incredible verse that is celebrating our freedom in Christ. But then in this text later on, he's going to say that the creation groans, that we groan, and that the Spirit groans within us. I wonder this morning if you are groaning and if there's something you're feeling the weight of The Spirit of God equips you to process that with Jesus. So why don't we take a moment and lift whatever that is up to the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you for the the chance that we have to celebrate you on Sunday. But we're reminded that we grieve with you on Good Friday. And we too grieve, we groan, 
we sit and we await our resurrection. We desire that new life in eternity, no death, no dying. But now we have residue of the kingdom. We have a taste of the kingdom, but it is not fully realized. And so God, we, we patiently await your presence in our, and your power to walk us through those confusing moments, dark moments, weighty moments. Spirit of living God, fall fresh on this time. We lift up to you our Fridays, our good Fridays. And we pray that the Spirit of God would equip us and minister to us as we learn more about you and we bring you more glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 22 and 23 reads this way. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. We have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So here Paul uses this phrase of groaning. He says that the creation groans. And then he says that we groan. Now, you have to understand that the word groan there is actually a very devastating and intense word. We're understanding it more by even the analogy he uses because he talks about how essentially the groan is similar to the groan that happens in the childbirthing process. Now you have to understand, in the Roman era at that time, if a woman was giving birth, it was almost a mortal moment. In other words, many women died giving birth. So when he talks about the pains of childbirth, he's actually acknowledging someone who is close to death, screaming out in pain, shouting while waiting to celebrate new life, while knowing new life is coming. They cannot pretend they're in the middle of pain. That's what he's talking about. We know that Sunday is coming, but we're in Friday. We know that we have hope of victory, but we're having our Friday. You see, on Sunday, it's celebration, but Friday, there's confusion. On Sunday, we have these dreams and plans, but Friday, we have these obstacles we can't get over. Friday, there's victory. Sunday, there's habits we can't, Friday, there's habits we can't break. And we're in the middle of this Friday moment. And so he says it's imagery of childbirth. The phrasing was also used in Roman literature of when warriors would be out to battle. And there would be this incredible moment because after a war would happen, after the fight would happen, if you walked around the battlefield, you'd hear groaning. There would be Men on the battlefield, blood from swords, pain on the ground, 
and they would just be groaning. That's one of the things that they talk about that veterans deal with with PTSD. They still remember the sounds, not just of the battle, but after the battle. They remember the sounds of the groans, crying out for a medic, waiting for someone to bring healing. This terminology is used of that kind of groan. The mother's groan, the warrior's groan. And it's interesting because here, Paul is not just speaking to the groans that we have that you're experiencing, but he says something very powerful and that should give us an 80,000 foot view of what life is really like. He says, not just me, not just you. He says, the whole creation is groaning. The world itself, the physical material world is groaning. In that, he speaks to how the world in essence is falling apart. Scientists would call it the second law of thermodynamics, which essentially says that everything is deteriorating from a material sense. And we don't have to be scientists to know that things get harder because all you need is this thing called, hallelujah, age, okay? (laughs) To know that your body becomes more complicated over time. And so what does that indicate to us? The creation groaning, it helps us to understand that things just get complex. Things don't last easily. We're reminded of our own hearts. We tend to think that our hearts will just keep going if we work out, if we eat right. And the fact of the matter is our hearts aren't just these things we plug into life and we keep going. Our hearts are more like a wind-up clock that has a time and a moment that it will stop. You have a limited number of beats because it's winding down. Things are complicated. Relationships are complicated. Friendships are complicated. And one of the things that I I have to walk people through because our church is so uh, single is when people start to realize that friendships don't last like they used to. Like, why did it change? I was like, that's what happens. Over time, things kind of unravel because of misunderstanding, because of jobs, because of marriage, because of kids. And you know what? Because of life. Relationships get complicated and you feel the weight of it. And you're like, oh, I'm trying to piece this together. And some things you're just not going to be able to put back because the creation is groaning. And we are groaning. And unfortunately, we live in a world that tries to create an imaginary pathway away from suffering. It tries to get you to presume that somehow, if you're savvy enough, if you're wise enough, if you plan right, if you get all your ducks in a row and your resume right, somehow you're going to avoid suffering. And when you buy into that pattern of thinking, when suffering hits your life, you think you're being mistreated by God. Or you'll presume you're being mistreated by life. When in reality, the world is deteriorating, the world is suffering, you are suffering. And let me just give you a commercial break, okay? 
Let me give you something. This is for free, amen, okay? The very person that you just cannot stand is suffering too. They are falling apart. And one of the things that has caused you to get confused is that you only see the highlights of their life, but behind the scenes, they are groaning. The creation groans. We're all groaning. We're all suffering. That should humble us. Because there is no mountain up top that you will not groan. And so we have to say from a human level, there will be unavoidable complications. And unfortunately, as believers, we have not become well-equipped to groan. We've become more equipped to celebrate. You understand what I'm saying? We're, we're more equipped for Palm Sunday than we are for Good Friday. We're more equipped for Resurrection Sunday. That's new life in heaven. And that's a celebrated life. But in the middle, in the middle, in the middle is Good Friday. In the middle, middle is complication. In the middle is the confusing parts of life. And so in order to equip us for that, Paul the Apostle tells us, here's how you respond to pain. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, earlier, he says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Slaves do not go to their masters and ask for help. Slaves operate in fear. Slaves don't ask for a week off, right? Slaves don't say, why, you know, I've been, I've been, I don't feel well. Slaves don't have health care, right? Slaves do everything out of fear. And that, he says, that is a spirit that we operate in. And many people have that kind of imagery in their relationship with God, where you're materially afraid of him or afraid of the one in which you love, but you operate in fear. And what he says is, you have not received the spirit, you have received rather, the spirit of adoption as sons. And what is the indication that you understand the spirit you've received? You cry out, Abba, Father. So he says an indication that you are fully operating in the spirit that he's given you to walk through sufferings is that you operate in a heart cry of Abba, Father. And there is a reason why Paul the Apostle puts you do not, he doesn't say you just cry out. And he doesn't say you cry out Father. He says Abba, Father. Because in every, almost every language, almost universally, kids create some kind of terminology. There is an infantile way that they try to piece together phonetically how to say Father. And so they end up with words like Papa or Dada, or Abba. But they're all trying to piece together this idea of father. And so when he talks about Abba, it's talking about the smaller version of yourself when you were helpless and you could not put words together accurately. So all you could say was Dada, Abba, and your parents or parent responded to that. It is a particular type of cry he speaks to. 
I have three children. They all cry. Wise parents understand, discern different types of cry, different levels of crying. I have a teenager cry. I have my hair cry. My clothes cry. I have a life just isn't right cry because the temperature's not right. Oh, this this cry. And parents either ignore them or we become enraged by those cries. (laughs) There is the, my iPad died cry. (laughs) All types of cries and parents discern those cries. But there is a particular type of primal cry that parents always respond to. Because parents know that real cry. They know that cry when a child is in pain. And from a visceral level, they respond from a very deep place. One night, my firstborn We had friends over, she was only a month old and she was breathing hard and we came to find out that night that she had a heart murmur. So we would have to go to the hospital and they put her in this contraption and they decided that I needed to hold her arms up while they put her in that contraption. (laughs) I needed the hospital in that moment. I was like, it's gonna be okay, baby. And I'm crying and she's crying and she was uh, maybe about a month or two old. A week, praise God, a week old. Mother's here to make it accurate, (laughs) make the story accurate. And I didn't love her more in that moment, but principally my love was stirred in that moment. And there's something about the infant cry, the helpless cry. And children, what they long for one author called it is the, the primal tone of a mother. You see, the reality is, is that one thing I've learned about my kids is there's, there's comfort dad gives, but there's comfort that mom gives that I can't, I can never give. It's her tone, it's her scent. And when she comes in, they calm down just from her presence. This in essence, speaks to what he says about us is that there is a primal root in our cry out to God that we long for God and we long for his presence. And there's something inside us that sometimes just wants to be a child. That you you got your title now and you're a big deal and you've been working hard and you've been responsible, and you create clarity, and you create strategy, and you're thoughtful. But deep down inside, there is a part of you that wants to be wildly irresponsible, and there's a part of you that doesn't want to carry the responsibilities. There's a part of you that wants to be carried. There's a part of you that longs for the primal tone of the Father to calm your heart in the deepest parts of your soul where you don't have to be strong. People ask, you know, Pastor, why do you take a month off every year? Because there's a day where I can't just be pastor anymore. I need to be child of God. Where I can fully experience my father and just his voice. 
And so he's saying that 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 is a part of us. The Spirit of God empowers you to be in this childlike state with God, to cry out, Abba, Daddy. And it's interesting because then Paul opens up this whole other idea in verses 26 and 27. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Now, if you have never highlighted in a Bible or, you know, whatever you need to do, that's where you circle. Because this is instructional for how you need to understand how the Holy Spirit works in your life. Paul just literally said, you do not know how to pray as you ought. Functionally, there's a part of you that is lifting up all types of inaccurate prayers that are completely misaligned with the will of God. We'll come back to that. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, what's it say? According to the will of God. So let's just take a break just for a second and just acknowledge we don't know how to pray properly. And what the Spirit of God does is he translates foolish prayers into wise prayers. Because you know five years ago you prayed for stuff. You know you. (laughs) You know good and well. You look back, you're like, oh, my God. Like that Facebook memory comes up, you're like, oh, my gosh, I was, I was literally begging God for that. That would have killed me. <laughs> and yet, the scripture is not saying pray less. It's actually saying pray with freedom. Because if I have a translator who is going to actually translate my ignorant, foolish, misaligned prayers into aligned prayers with the will of God, I should pray with more freedom. Because I know whatever, I don't, there's, 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 a, there's a healthy way of saying, God, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. Because I, I feel like I'm crazy. And the Spirit's like, but go ahead, what do you, what do you really mean to this? Isn't that freeing? To know that the spirit of the living God is right there to assist in prayer? To translate our unhealthy prayers into healthy prayers? And so, but it's very interesting because look back in the verse. He does not just say he intercedes. He says he intercedes with groanings. Too deep for words. So we understand that groaning is an emotional thing that the Spirit does. And so simultaneously, the Spirit not only translates our misaligned prayers, but he also emotionally and viscerally pleads on our behalf. In other words, he groans with us. He sits with us. He comforts us while interceding for us. This should be freeing. 
Um, speaking of my first daughter, I, uh, because I've always, you know, I've, ever since we've had kids, I've always been pastoring. And so my wife, we've had the blessing of her being able to stay at home. So I was very ignorant, very naive of what it means to stay at home with kids. And so one night, my wife left out, left me with my daughter, Faith, and she was a month old. I don't know how old she was. <laughs> Correct me. Um, but I know she was young. And um, she left me home with her, and not even 10 minutes in, she's crying like God knows what. She's just screaming, ah, ah. And I'm, I'm trying to pretend I'm her mom. I'm like, oh, hush, little babe. Oh, oh, and I'm doing all these songs, and I'm remixing them, and I'm doing all types of stuff. Nothing is working. And she's just screaming and crying and screaming and crying and screaming and crying. And, go, and, and my wife was probably gone for 10 minutes. felt like 10 hours. It was so long. She did not stop. It, it's an, kids have this incredible ability to just keep crying. It's fascinating. <laughs> Like, how did they do it? What, is it an extra lung? I don't know. But it's fascinating, right? So she's just crying, crying, crying. Mother comes home, walks in, and I'm just, and at this point, I have to admit this, the baby was just on the couch, and I was done. I was just like, <laughs> behold, your child. So I'm exhausted. I, I just don't know what to do. She comes in. My wife comes in. And I'm, I don't, I've tried to give her milk. I, I hugged her. My wife comes in. This is literally what happens. She gets the baby. Come here. Give me the baby. The baby, Faith goes, ah! <laughs> And then she starts twisting her. You're doing that little thing. She's twisting her right like this. And I go, what'd you do? She goes, she's tired. <laughs> what? She's tired. That's all it is. And then you hear Faith like, <laughs> and I felt so confused <laughs> because I could not understand her. And my wife literally within seconds completely knew the problem, but also added comfort. And what the Spirit of God does is he comforts you, but he actually knows what's going on with you. And he's actually able to interpret what the real core problem is. So he takes the core problem. What I'm trying to say is he gets beneath your request. You see, a child cannot communicate what their problem is. They need someone to help interpret what their problem is. The Spirit helps you to understand what's really going on with you, takes that core issue, and then tells God about it. That means you don't need to be your own therapist. You don't have to, listen, you don't actually have to try so hard to figure yourself out. Some of you are like, I just don't understand me. You never fully will. But isn't it good to know that the Spirit fully understands you? And he fully understands your deepest desires, your deepest motives, your deepest passions. He comforts you and then is able to understand you and then communicate on your behalf. I just want you to just rest for a second. Some of you are just so, you're just so thoughtful. You're, there's things about you you can't understand. I just want you to rest for a second. Stop 
trying so hard to figure you out. God made you. He knows you. He loves you. He's given his spirit to understand you. This is our freedom in Christ. And so Paul here reminds us that we have the spirit of God to interpret our foolishness, to comfort us in the midst of pain. What's interesting is that in Romans, there's another verse that is, literally comes after this verse about groaning, and we never really attach the two. It's a wildly popular verse, Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. The purpose of this verse is meant to be attached to verse 27 about prayer and groaning because the presumption is you need to know that God is working things together in order to effectively pray and groan to God. That's why he says, and we know, that there's a certainty and a groundedness to that. Taken together and looked at at an 80,000-foot view, every single thing happening to you is ultimately working in a plan for our good and God's glory. This walks us through those Fridays of suffering. And any temporary harm we suffer, God will use for our benefit. God, therefore, is working. He's working on Friday. God is working though he may be silent, though you've requested, though you've demanded, though you fasted, and you've heard nothing, he's still working. That's what he's trying to get at. You're groaning, but you must groan with an understanding that he's working. And if you don't realize he's working, then you'll presume you're abandoned. And you haven't been abandoned, you've been adopted. We're all groaning, you've just been adopted. And this is where we have to expand our understanding of who God is. In Genesis 28, this is the moment, if you haven't read the story, it's the story of Joseph. Joseph's thrown into a prison And it says in verse 21 of chapter 28, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. And that's where we go, okay, show him some steadfast love and gave him favor. Okay, let's go. And in the sight of the keeper of the prison, oh, you kept him in prison? (laughs) Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How are you going to give him favor in prison? I thought favor was getting out of prison. You see what I'm saying? Dude, look, read that again. He showed him steadfast love. Y'all see that? Is that up there? Because I don't know if I'm seeing this reason. It's up there. Okay, because y'all might miss this. He showed him steadfast love, gave him favor, but in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 
And see, we have the whole story of Joseph. Joseph was 17 when he was thrown into prison, but he was 30 when he became the second in charge of Egypt. Joseph's story starts in Genesis chapter 37. It comes to fruition where things work out, not until Genesis chapter 50. Joseph's story makes sense only because we see each season Joseph had to work in. And what I'm trying to tell you right now is maybe there's a good chance that he's showing you steadfast love right now. Maybe you're experiencing favor right now. And you won't realize till chapter 50. You won't see it till an entirely different season of your life. But the problem that we have is we don't have, far too many of us don't have a Joseph theology. You know what we have? We have a Jabez theology. Now, some of y'all aren't in my age category, but when I was coming up, boy, the prayer of Jabez, man, listen, this brother Bruce wrote a book on the prayer of Jabez and folks memorized, tattooed, coffee mugged, children booked, made songs. And I'm all for the prayer of Jabez. Far be it from me to not pray the prayer of Jabez because I know I prayed it, amen? (laughs) But this is all I'm saying to you. If you have only a Jabez theology but not a Joseph theology, you won't know how to grow. And what he says in in the prayer of Jabez is, I'm going to read this whole thing because this is the only time Jabez is ever brought up in the Bible, okay? Jabez called upon the Lord, called upon God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my border, and that, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. Who would not love to pray that prayer? That's an incredible prayer. Why is the prayer of Jabez famous? It's not famous because of the prayer. You know why it's famous? Because it says, and God granted what he asked. And so people love next sentence theology, but not next chapter theology. We, we want to see it granted in the next line, but not 13 chapters later. And we have to develop a greater understanding of who God is, because I don't know if you know this, but very few of your prayers will be answered in the next sentence. And so what Paul the Apostle is trying to do is he's trying to develop a broader understanding is that you will have Jabez moments where God blows your mind, but you will have more Joseph moments where you'll have to wait patiently, and God was working in the life of Joseph, and he was working in the life of Jabez. God was working, and he's working Jabez moments and Joseph moments together. He's taking very dark moments in your life and working them together. The, the word there in Romans 8, 28, um, the Greek word, it, it's, it, we translate it as synergism. It means to take two very different things but work them together 
in order to be healthy and good. One author said uh, an example of this is table salt. Table salt is composed of two poisons, um, sodium and chlorine. You put them together, you get salt. Take them separately, you'll kill yourself. But when they work together, they add flavor. So maybe he's adding seasoning to your life, more flavor, more abundance in your life through different painful points. And you will not understand this if your theology only takes you one sentence later. You've got to know that some things you just have to wait on the Lord. We have to learn how to wait on the Lord. And waiting is an indication that we know You don't wait for things you don't think are going to come. We know, and that's what he says in Romans 8, 28. And we know. Children cry hard because they know. We know. And he says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together. Do you know? My wife and I, we're uh, watching a TV and we noticed that there was this moment where a young man died in a carnival ride. He was not properly put in the seat. And you think about roller coasters, up, down, up, down, Can you imagine being on a roller coaster and not being certain that it's well-constructed and it's going to hold on to you? That's not adventure. That's torture. The only reason why we would ever do that is because we feel like we are well-put-in, well-constructed, and even though I'm going down, I know that this is put together well. You have to know. At core... We know that when we go down in life, it's not that just we're going to come back up. It's that I know this has been put together. I know they intended this. This, is, this was actually what they planned. And so that's what allows us to go through the craziness of life. Jesus on the cross. In Psalm 22, he On the cross, Jesus references Psalm 22. And it's a part you know. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you've heard that before. But hear the next part of that verse. He says, why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? And on the cross, Jesus cries out, in sheer pain. And it is in that pain that we receive our redemption. He groans. He groans in taking on the sins of the world. He groans on his Friday. And yet, Jesus, we see Jesus, the next scene we see Jesus is a new life 
a resurrected life. So what we learn is that you will have your Palm Sunday celebrations in this life. And you will have your Good Friday groanings. But church, there will be some things that you will not fully experience till the resurrection day. To when you're with the Lord. And our father allowed his son to be tortured, to groan, not so that everything will work out, but that he would be present with us. Jesus groans while he was abandoned so that we can groan while we're adopted and so that we could feel the presence of God and know that you're deeply loved in the midst of your confusing moment right now. God loves you. I know things are confusing for some of you right now, but God loves you. I know you're carrying some things that you've been carrying for quite some time, but God loves you. And I know that there's times where you may even want to quit, but God loves you. And I want you to know that God is working in the very silence, in the prayers that you're exhausted to pray. There are some prayers you're so exhausted in praying, you're embarrassed to tell people these dreams, these desires. And I want you to know that God is working. And some things you'll look back and you'll celebrate. And some things you'll continue to mourn. And some things you won't see till the next life. And he's working through it all. I wonder if we'd stand. If today you have come in here and you have come certain that you wanted to come to church, but maybe you are not certain about your relationship with God. I'd ask that you come and be prayed for and that you would allow our church to come around you in this moment and that you would allow the Spirit of God to work through God's people so that we might grow together. Is there anyone here today that is uncertain about their relationship with God and that your sins have been taken care of on the cross. If that's you, I wondered if you'd just come forward, just come down right here to the front. If that's you, if you're saying today, I am not certain that I am going to be with God, that I know God personally, I'd ask that you come today, that you come right here to the front so we might pray over you and that you become certain about your relationship with God. If that's you, today you want to make Jesus Lord. Then there might be some of you, others of you, that you are suffering deeply. And you're asking God, you're begging God to touch you. A fresh touch and a reminder that you can cry out to him. Some of you have been stuffing away your heart's cry, the primal cry. And maybe today will be the day that you say, God, I want to admit I've been stuffing down that 
primal prayer, and I want to begin to pray in that way again. I ask that you come. Come right here to the front and ask that you be prayed over and that the Holy Spirit would just empower you to come. Just come. Just come right to the front. Right to the front. Right to the front. For those of you that are just saying, I have been exhausted and unable to feel unleashed in my prayer life. Just come. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask right now that there is a heart's cry that we cannot deny. There is a childlike part of us that we long to unleash. And we admit and we acknowledge to you, God, that the Spirit of God is in our lives to free us to be intimate with you, to go to those intimate parts where we are feeling weighed down and confused. And we ask Jesus, we ask, Lord, would you touch my sister so that she would be operating in the freedom of the Holy Spirit, operating in a renewed sense of her childlike nature, and that we groan and we cry, Abba, and that we acknowledge there are things inside of us that we long to unleash to the Lord. Holy Spirit, right now I ask for a fresh touch on my sister's life. I ask for a fresh touch on our congregation. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just unleash in us a deep, deep, deep abiding understanding that you long for your children to cry out to you. You long for your children to cry out, Abba. And with that, we celebrate who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Why don't we give a hand praise to the Lord? I just want you to know, God's the only father that gets excited about crying. Oh, I wish I was like him, amen? He wants you to cry out to him. And I want to give you the principle of crying out to your father. He delights in your cry. He delights in your groan. And he wants to meet you in it. Amen? Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.